Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. I'm Sam Wilson. Joining me, as always, Zach Schneider and Liz Tory. Today, we're going to be reviewing The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, continuing our uh, review of The Hobbit trilogy. I had always read it as Smog whenever I read the books, but in these movies, they really pronounce that Aug, that Smaug, I guess, to uh, make make the uh, the pollution metaphor not quite as on the nose. I don't know. I used to watch the old, old animated version of this, and all I know is that the voice actor for Smaug in that pronounced that as I am Smaug, and that's the only way that I can hear the name now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I gotta say, I don't know which is meaner. The dragon in the movie, or the nerds that come up to us whenever I say smog, and they say, it's smog. <laughs> well, that would imply that anybody listens to our podcast, Liz, so. I know, <laughs> right. I know. For all five of you who are listening, we do love you, but. <laughs> I'm just stoking the fire. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> well, how you doing, Liz? What's going on with you? Doing good, doing good. Uh, I just got approved to do three of my short horror uh, plays at the Pack Theater. Nice. So I'm doing that for Halloween. Yay! Very nice. <laughs> Make sure you bring your wife. To the show. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, so just that and doing a little stand up here and there, having fun. What about you? Oh, you know, things things are uh things are things are moving, you know. Again, bands going full speed ahead. Uh been playing uh that game uh Horizon Forbidden West on the PS5. It's been been a lot. I've been really enjoying that. Really fun, you know, kind of action RPG. Uh the the uh I, I gotta say, like, for those of you who are like into like video games and like voice actors, like that Ashley Birch who plays Aloy is rapidly becoming one of my favorite just voice actors in video games in general. She is so fucking good. She's in Life is Strange, she's in that, she's in Last of Us 2. She like she's just great in everything she pops up in. I I just like I think she's she's rapidly becoming the new uh, Nolan North in a lot of ways. So, I mean, good on her for that because yeah. honestly, yeah. No, I, I pretty much just strongly agree there. Yeah, she's so good. What about you, Zach? What's going on with you? Eh, not much. Just uh, keeping busy studying. Um, Just finished uh, uh, Horizon Forbidden West and agree, it's really, really a lot of fun. Um, Just finished a playthrough of Tomb Raider as well. Um, The old, uh, was it 2013? Was that, I think I want to say. Oh, the first one? In the, yeah, in the, the, in the, first, in the in that first particular uh, first trilogy? Reboots. Yeah, that that came out in 2013, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that one actually still really holds up. I forget how quick that one is, but uh, yeah, other than that, yeah. It's a fast game. You know, that trilogy is so frustrating to me because, like, the first one came out. It was like, oh, it's pretty good. Like, there's some flaws here and there, but it's a really good game. And I, I just feel like they can take the second one and, like, build off of this and make it even better. And then the second one was a little bit worse than the first game. It's like, okay, no, we're either going to take this. We're either going to uh, make it better again for, like, a great third one. Then the third one was worse than the second game. It's like, this is the exact opposite. Opposite trajectory that this should be taking right now. It's like it's so far. 
Honestly, all three of them are still pretty fun overall, but like it, it was a disappointing trilogy because it started off so promising and it just dropped off with each game, which is not the trajectory you want to see, especially with video games, because usually with video games, they work out the, the kinks with each game, but no, they, they just kind of got you, worse. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's bad. They did that with the Fable series. Each one after Fable just got worse and worse. Yeah. Let's make this game worse. Well, that's, it's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. <laughs> Speaking of Damn. things that get worse and worse, let's review The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. I'm kidding. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was about to say, I've already said how I was. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, we're past that. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, something that the writers of these movies should have done slightly more often. We're past that. Let's keep going. It's the, okay, whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Cut. Exactly. Spoilers start here for The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. There's an intro that takes place in Bree at the beginning of this movie, which pretty much just serves to recap the first movie. Again, if they had just made this one fucking movie, they wouldn't have needed this scene. Right. Like. <laughs> uh, I would actually argue they didn't need this scene, even with, like, this entire scene. I'm like, this is telling us nothing new and frankly we don't even really need this much like come on it's it's the previously on the hobbit that's that's really what it is it's like here's to refresh your memory the first one came out a year ago and so in case you haven't rewatched it here's to refresh your memory that's that's all it is it's an excuse to have peter jackson munch on another carrot i will say it it features a couple (laughs) hilarious moments like a peter jackson reprising his cameo his same cameo he had in fellowship of the ring as carrot man which is hilarious to me that that same guy apparently was still around in Bree 60 years ago. It's like, okay. And then the other hilarious moment is uh, Thor looking over seeing one assassin who's like giving him the sneak eye. The looks over sees the other assassin who's giving him like the most comical over the top sneak eye. Just like, ah! It's like, I don't know why. Whenever they cut to the other guy, it's like Galron from Star Trek. It's like, oh my god, what? You know? <laughs> But what if Carrot Guy is one of the five wizards? Is he one of the blue wizards? <laughs> Maybe. He might be. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Not even uh, J.R.O. Tolkien knows because he didn't bother to write anything about them. Yeah, I exactly. Think we need, I think we need another trilogy. We need yep. another trilogy. About Carrot about Guy. About the blue wizards. About the... Carrot Guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing it's like Lion King one and a half where you get it from Timon and Pumbaa's point of view except you get it from Carrot Kai's point of view <laughs> that actually would be irritating because like he's been around for so long and it's been like around so many significant events that you know maybe he, he's just like been just going through the events of all these movies and all these stories mm-hmm. you know just like just watching watching from the periphery yeah I, I'd be down for that <laughs> alright so since you asked for it Sam it's another trilogy there we yep. go. Yep. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Three movies. Each one is five hours this time. That's <laughs> a bit. <laughs> uh, well, I'm dumb enough to be like, you know, I don't know why, but I think this is my favorite trilogy. It moves even slower than The Hobbit. <laughs> but I just love it. <laughs> well... It's it, it is a pointless scene, but it's it's still entertaining enough, you know. I I, yeah. I it's kind of fun to see Gandalf and Thorin's first meeting, I guess. But it's still, yeah. yeah there's there's it it you don't really need this scene, you know. It's it's yeah. another one of those they could have cut it. 
They could have. Yeah. Right. They could have got everything. Almost <laughs> everything in this movie they could have got. <laughs> <laughs> they could have cut the whole movie, but no. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. There is one extension that I do like in this movie that I am kind of glad they expanded on. But we'll, that comes much, much, much later. The first main sequence in the main action of the movie is where they go to Bayorn's house. We're introduced to Bayorn. This is a scene from the book. I'm going to be honest. Since it's a trilogy, they might as well throw this in but this is one of those things that when i thought about after the fact i know bayorn's from the book but so is fucking tom bombadil and they cut that because they didn't have time for it we don't need bayorn i feel about bayorn like for the exact same reason we don't need tom bombadil (laughs) bayorn has nothing to do with the story of, of the hobbit like even in the book he has nothing to do with what's going on Really? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's cool. It's cool world building, I guess, but yeah. But no, it doesn't serve the plot at all to have this in there. And again, yeah, it's a kind of cool scene. But frankly, again, we shouldn't have had to spend this much time on two movies. But yeah, I don't hate it. But it's again another. This is a reason that this didn't need to be an entire separate movie. Get your shot glasses ready. <laughs> but if you're gonna make a movie that should have been one movie. And instead, you make three movies. You gotta just add shit. Just add shit. Well, right. at least they're adding shit that was actually in the book. It's like exactly. if you're if you're gonna make three movies, like I guess just throw in everything from the book because why exactly. not? You have the time for yep. it, I guess. Like <laughs> it's like okay, have the time for it. Yeah, I mean, again, it's cool world building. It's a cool character. It just doesn't really have anything to do with the story. Again, (laughs) I do think that The Hobbit should have been one movie. And if The Hobbit was one movie, I think they probably would have cut Bayhorn. I honestly do. I'm hoping there's a lot of world building like this in the show. Yeah. I'm hoping to get a lot of world building. Well, the idea of the skin changers is interesting. And I know that the show takes place like thousands of years before, uh, you you know, the the Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. So it's possible that, you know, Bayorn says he's the last of his kind. Maybe we'll see a bunch of skin changers in in the show. Like, it could be, you know, like, it's It's a possibility. Again, one thing I appreciate about The Hobbit, the the movies The Hobbit, is they do go into more of the weirdness uh, of of Middle-earth. The fact that, Mm -hmm. you know, Lord of the Rings, we get hobbits, we get humans, we get elves, we get dwarfs, and then orcs. Uh, It's like, in this, we get to see, no, there are actually other, there are storm giants, there are skin changers, like, there's, there's more to this world than just those kind of iconic fantasy races. It's interesting. I just don't think it really needed to be in these movies. To be honest, (laughs) this is something that I'm also going to say a few times. Even if you're going to split it into two movies, I actually, it occurred to me when I watched this one, you could have started and ended the first movie exactly where you started and ended the first movie. And I think you could have had the second and third movies combine them together into one movie. Yeah. I I actually kind of feel that way. Like, even if you're going to do it, if you're going to do a two-parter, I think where they ended the first movie was actually a decent place to end a first part. But Mm -hmm. I think that... The, the second and third movie really could have been one movie. And if you were right. going to combine those, you could keep Bayorn maybe like do, do an extended edition the way they did the extended editions for Lord of the Rings. Maybe have the Bayorn scene be a part of that. You know, if you really want to, just for the book fans. But I, I just don't really know that this scene really contributes all that much to the movie. Like, it's an interesting scene. It just, yeah. The Mirkwood scene, I think it's really interesting when they first enter Mirkwood. I like Bilbo kind of talking about how he feels like this forest is sick. And then 
This movie gets trippy at points. When they're walking through the forest, Bilbo looks down at his feet and they're walking backwards. Then he looks up and he sees himself looking back at himself and like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> you know, it's like, what, what, what are these spores they're breathing in at this forest going on? And, but uh, it's, it's an interesting sequence. So any, any thoughts on kind of the beginning of the Mirkwood part? Believe it or not, I know we mention a lot about this movie doing padding. I actually think this is a elegant, shortened way of the Mirkwood story from the book. Because in the book, the Mirkwood story went on and on. And this yeah. is actually a much more elegant and much shorter way of communicating pretty much the same thought. That, yes, this is dismal. This is maddening. So, honestly, I think it was very effective. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think it actually is a really cool sequence. Yeah, I'd forgotten that until you said that. But, yeah, no, I, I just had, like, a memory of, of this kind of going on and on and on in the book. So, yeah... I think that they really did kind of get that that across of like, okay, this is like the kind of pacing that they should have had for more of this stuff if this was one movie, you know? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I also enjoy the spiders, you know, we kind Mm -hmm. of established, like, I know that the book lore establishes that these are like kind of related or like they're the spawn of Shelob from Lord of the Rings. So I guess it's an interesting kind of tie-in of, you know, having these uh, these spiders that are not as big as Shelob, but they're they're these, these still these giant spiders that they're having to fight and it's interesting that they kind of talk in common speech i guess like bilbo also can understand them more when he re- is wearing the ring and stuff yeah. it's like it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah it's, it's it's an interesting sequence that they are monsters but they that you also find out that they also are sapient beings who are capable of you know speech and all that and of course the one spider ends up inadvertently giving uh bilbo the idea to name his sword sting uh which i think is yeah I always yeah. love Sting as the name of a sword, you know? It's like, this This feels like the name that a hobbit would give a sword, you know? Right. Yeah, I thought it was a great sequence. The spiders were, you know, just as nasty and monstrous as they were in, uh, as uh, Shelob was. Um, though, again, of course, you know, much smaller. You know, cool fight sequence. Um, really does have Bilbo starting to... It, it is, we are also starting to see him get addicted to the ring, but more than that, we're yeah. also starting to see him really find his confidence. Um, like that moment when he reveals himself right in front of the spider. It's like, okay, Bilbo has genuinely changed quite a bit Yeah, since the start of the last movie. Um, I also really love the uh, unexpected uh, trapdoor spider sequence. It's like, oh god, that's nasty. Yeah. I really enjoyed the way that the scene was shot, the way how everything is trippy, and then how we do get to see... Bilbo starting to get addicted to his ring. It's very interesting, and you can kind of see how they do get addicted to the ring, because when he's wearing it, and you don't have this big, giant fire eye looking down your throat, it's pretty neat, because you can communicate with all the other creatures. It's great, Or you can understand what's going on. I don't know, it's just weird. But I think we see Bilbo start to get addicted to the ring faster even than Frodo did, but it makes sense because Bilbo is a lot more, like he puts the ring on a lot more than Frodo ever did. Because he is not aware of there being really any any consequence or any risk of doing it. It's like, hey, ring that turns me invisible, I'm going to use this every chance I I can get or every time I really need to. But I think because he wears it so much... He, he starts to get corrupted more quickly, I think. Mm-hmm. And it, it is interesting when he ends up kind of killing uh, the like the baby spider, like really viciously. And then like kind of catches himself afterwards and realizes, oh, that was kind of a fucked up thing I just did. You know, like mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of a harrowing sequence. It, it's, it's one of the ways in which because 
were making this movie with already an awareness of Lord of the Rings were able to plant those seeds of corruption a little bit uh, sooner than than the actual book The Hobbit did because, you know, it was very probable that Tolkien hadn't worked out all the details of what The Ring was yet when he wrote this book. So mm. it's, it's, it's a good tie-in and I think it is a really good, exciting sequence as well. And then we kind of enter in the, the sort of wood elf section of the movie. Legolas is back in this movie I will say of all the uh, the fan service, I would say cameos, but he's actually kind of in this movie a fair amount. But of all the, the appearances by uh, Lord of the Rings characters, this is one of the more organically done examples of that. Of right. Legolas is the prince canonically of this kingdom. It makes sense that he would be around. It makes sense that, that he would be there. Um, I do think that Orlando Bloom looks really fucking weird in this movie. And I... Watching right. it again, I think it's mainly the contacts they put in him. Like it, it really mm-hmm. is just that because they didn't really de-age him at all. Like that, it re- I think it really is just his contacts. Just because, like, he didn't have contacts like that in War of the Rings. I don't think. I think he just had his his natural eyes. So I'm not quite sure why they just made gave him these weird. I don't know. It's uh... it's yeah. It's super unclear. I think part of it was he was they were trying to get him and Thranduil uh, to look a little more like each other, but also. If you just told me that, you know, Legolas was Thranduil's son, I'd be like, okay, sure. They didn't need to, like, try and visually push that, you know, much farther. Legolas in this movie just makes me think of five words. Om nom 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 nom. He's got the the blonde wig on. He has some new contacts. That's okay. His eyes are pretty anyway. Nom 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 nom. (laughs) Yeah. I... I would. I personally feel that, like, if we just had him be the one to capture the dwarves and, you know, maybe show up in a couple of other scenes of Thranduil, that would have been a completely natural cameo that Ooh. makes absolute sense and it wouldn't have had a problem. The fact that he's basically a major side character uh, is really odd, but... yeah. I, I generally agree to that. I think that they, they put a little too much Legolas in, in this, and especially the third movie. We'll get to the third movie next week, but... Right. It's interesting seeing him before he goes through the character development that he goes through in War of the Rings. Like, they didn't try and soften him. Like, like he's really kind of a dick in this movie, and I, I actually right. respect the fact that they went for that, of like... This is uh, Legolas before his friendship with Aragorn, and especially before his friendship with Gimli, which I think both both of those kind of helped to, to round him out in a lot of ways. Like, he is younger, he is more arrogant, and I think that it's interesting to see that, that arrogant little shit version of Legolas. Right. And it's, it's kind, of, also kind of funny having him meet uh, Gloin and seeing the picture of uh, Gimli. It's like, who's this goblin creature? Uh, like, ask me what you like, Gimli! <laughs> He just, like, has that, he has that, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson eyebrow raise, you know, at that point. He, he's gonna be, he's gonna be your bestie in about 60 years, so <laughs> get ready. Hi. And, of course, we're introduced to Thranduil, who's, like, the biggest fucking asshole in this trilogy, in my opinion. <laughs> I just, I fucking hate Thranduil. Like, he is a pretty bitch, and he knows it. Yeah. <laughs> and I do mean pretty bitch, not petty. I mean, the guy's, like, constantly... Like, voguing any time that he can, which, frankly, that fits with a elf king or whatnot. But anyhow, yeah, he's just a massive dick. Yeah, that's pretty much my thing is like, I just like, I know you're kind of meant to, to hate this character and I guess he's effective. But like, Thradrol just pisses me off the more he has scenes in both this and the next oh. movie. I'm just like, oh, my God. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, he is he is quite horrible. I know they tried to make him look really pretty, but he's not as pretty as his son, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> and he's an asshole. He is an asshole. Right. Legless is not. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Pace is a great actor. I always enjoy him whenever he pops up yes. and everything. But yeah, I, I, I don't. I do not enjoy this character. But I guess you're, you're not supposed he to. He does so. his job. Yeah, yeah he, he does, does his, his job. job. Yeah, he he, he's very effective. Yeah. So yep. Uh, credit to Lee Pace. Uh, you did a fantastic job at making a loathsome character. Exactly. <laughs> and it's interesting seeing an elf who's so unlikable because elves up to this point have been like, especially elves in Lord of the Rings are these these perfect you know ethereal creatures and they're 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 they're, they're full of wisdom and you know they're just generally kind of better than everybody. Like it's interesting seeing somebody who thinks he's all those things. But it's just a fucking asshole, you know? Right. <laughs> you know? They added a new character into this movie, uh, Tariel, who's played by Evangeline Lilly, who just feels like, okay, I guess because there's no female characters in The Hobbit, they just felt the need to write a female character. I like her, but I, it's again, yeah. I don't know how much you need to be in the movie, but... My, my basic thought on it is that I'm not against the idea of adding female characters to the story because again yeah it is really goddamn weird that you're going to have basically without her you'd have three movies basically with almost no female characters at all and certainly no female protagonists that would be really goddamn weird so i'm not against the idea of having her in there i do find it frustrating that they have one female character and she's there for the love plot. And I'm like, yes. yeah, yes, of course. Oh my fucking God. <laughs> yes. I mean, even if they had just, Oh no, it, it pisses me off that there had to be a love story with the one female character that they added in. It's mm-hmm. so fucking stupid. Why? If they were fond of each other, I could see that, but the kind of love that you're willing to sacrifice your whole life for, your whole immortality. She wants to give it all up for Keeley because he's so special. Because he made a dick joke when they first met. Well, <laughs> you have known him for two days. <laughs> it's, it's the Disney thing, yes. Yeah. We're gonna get married, bitch. You just met him twelve hours ago. Stop. I do find it funny that they're kind of, that. Thranduil is trying to believe that there's some sort of love triangle going on. It's like, you know, Legolas is really fond of you. And then anytime you see Legolas and Toriel interacting, it's like, no, they're just kind of, they're kind of just bros, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they're just best buds. <laughs> That's kind of my thing. Bud. It's like, I don't even consider this movie to have a love triangle because it really is just that line by Thranduil. Like, there's no other indication right. in this movie that there's a love triangle. No. There really isn't. I do also find it funny that while Thranduil's doing that, he's also giving, like, super mixed signals. It's like, so, you're hot on Legolas, right? Right? Uh, I don't know. Well, you better not be. (laughs) 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 That's just it being a dick again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you could just back away from my son and never talk to him again, that would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Finger across throat means death. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Tariel and Kiwi love story. I I get divided on it because on the one hand... I, I don't know. When I watched these movies for the first time, I did find myself getting invested in this. Like, I 
I like Keely, and I think that it makes Keely a more memorable character, the fact that they gave him this subplot. And mm-hmm. I also do enjoy Tariel as a character. I actually do. There's a part of me that feels like maybe a story like this is something that they could have put in a completely different fantasy movie. You know, it's <laughs> like the idea of, you know, there being like the, the kind of star-crossed lovers of the a dwarf and a romance with the, with the elf, you know, despite the fact that these are races that kind of hate each other, like... Sure, it's interesting, I guess. Like, I, I don't actually hate some certain things about the way that it was executed, but it is a bit of a Disney love story at the same time of like, yeah, you've known each other for like a day, you know? It's right. like... It's almost like a Lifetime movie. I can see that, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely forced and it's definitely shoehorned into the movie, for sure. Um, And I think that it's it's meant to make something that happened in the third movie, which I'll, I'll get to that next week. But I think that is, it's, it's it meant to make something that happens in the third movie more heart wrenching. The fact that there's this story, right. like, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come, I'll come back to that next week. So there's a little tease for you, for you listeners, but here's, here's what I'm going to say about the lack of female characters in the Hobbit. And I'm going to say something that is going to piss off some uh, book purists. But the fact of the matter is, you have 13 fucking dwarf characters. There was no reason why you couldn't have made some of them women. Goddamn right. right. Goddamn Honestly, right. There's no reason why yes, you couldn't have done isn't. it. And if you want to say something, it's like, oh, what? We're just going to change their names and change everything. I dare you to try and tell me that the name Nori is somehow like yeah. gender specific. Exactly. And also, <laughs> I dare you to try and tell me any like details about the book Nori. Yeah. Can you? I can't. Exactly. And I've read the thing several times. It's fundamentally not a character. You could have changed that. Yeah. It would not have mussed up anything at all. So that that's something that's always kind of occurred to me like as I go back to this movie, because I, I do think and look there might be some people who who listen to us and say, "Oh, these these fucking woke people, whatever." It's like I never, I never, honestly, whenever somebody accuses me of being woke, I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm doing something right then, personally. But right, exactly. Like that's kind of how I feel. But I'm pissing I, yeah. off the right Why, people. Thank you. Inclusivity and diversity is actually important, and having female yes. representation is important. And the fact is, like, The Hobbit was written in a different time. You can adapt this in a way where, like, it, it is, it is, I think, a good thing to add female characters. But you guys are right. They added, they they invented a female character and then basically just made her a love interest. Yeah. And I do feel like they, they really, they could have just taken the existing characters. Because there's so many goddamn dwarves, you really could have made several of them female. And it would have changed nothing about the story. It would have changed nothing yeah. about the story, you know. I, I think that that would have been a better solution to that personally, but... I've honestly thought that quite a bit. That yeah. the dwarves should have been co-ed. Yeah. That we should have had female dwarves in there. Exactly. So, I want to touch on this Necromancer subplot, which is kind of woven throughout this movie and, and the next, and like th- throughout all three of these movies. It bothers me even more in this one. I, I actually, I do not like this subplot. I'll just say that straight up. Mm. I, I actually, I actually don't care for this subplot because for me, Gandalf immediately figures out that the Necromancer is Sauron. And then we also see that Sauron has already built up a massive fucking army of orcs. What the fuck has he been doing for 60 years in between this and Lord of the Rings? Just sitting on his ass? Like, I don't know. Yep. Like, I, I just feel like this is too soon to go all in for the Sauron storyline. If you wanted to have the Necromancer be this mysterious figure 
and maybe start to do hints to the audience that maybe this is Sauron, but Gandalf doesn't completely figure it out yet, but he's still much earlier in his, his kind of journey to get power. That would have made a lot more sense. That maybe Azog and his band, maybe those are his only orc followers at this point. You know, that's all he's been able to, to amass so far. I think that that would have made a lot more sense. I, I think that this subplot creates issues in terms of the connectivity between this and Lord of the Rings. It just creates weird inconsistencies in my personal head, so. It does. It's even weird that we even have uh, Sauron able to, like, briefly take on his, you know, shape again in this movie. It's like, he can't even do that in the Lord of the Rings. What, did he somehow lose a lot of his powers in between again? What the hell? I don't mind that they had the Necromancer subplot, because, again, if you're going to expand the movie into three movies, then that's something that was, you know, offhandedly mentioned in the book that might be interesting to put on film, since you clearly have the time to do so. But, yeah, I agree. The execution of it is not great. And also... For some reason, again, I'm just not a big fan of the idea that Azog the Defiler is, first of all, just kind of a thrown-in enemy, and secondly, that he's ridiculously powerful even against Gandalf for some reason. I'm like, okay, whatever. I I enjoy the Necromancer um, parts of this movie. I like that they're stacking all of this up, and I could buy, in the next movie, I could buy the ending of the next movie as being reason why uh, Sauron can't hasn't been able to come back. And also, the one thing that I do in this movie, there's not a lot of orc. It's it's a small, small battalion. In The Lord of the Rings, there is a lot of fucking orc. You know, I guess compared to, like, the army that attacks, like, Minas Tirith yeah. in Lord of the Rings, or, yeah. like, I, it, it is smaller compared to that. I could see that taking 60 years to amass. The one, yeah, the one thing I'd agree with that is that in the next movie, there's a massive battle, and a lot of this battalion dies off as well, yes, so. Yes, it does. You know, that's fair. That's that, that's that's a fair point. I, I just, I still think that Sauron has come into too much power too long before War of the Rings. That's, that's still I, been my issue. I do, like, I do I broadly agree. I think I that with the ending of the next movie, but I'm also open to maybe they overpowered him. And I and I don't think Gandalf should have known it was Sauron yet because I I I still think that that I think that that makes Gandalf look bad that he wasn't able to figure yeah. out that that yeah. the, the a that Bilbo's ring is the one ring since like all this kind of happened around the same time he should have been able to put that platoon two together, together like right. that's that's yeah. that's the main thing is I think I think it makes Gandalf look bad when when you yeah. put put it together with this and in, in Lord of the Rings you know but right my only argument in that and and I do. I do uh, agree with you. I think it does make Gandalf look bad, but my only argument in that is that Gandalf is in the battlefield, not looking down at it. Like, he can usually step away and look at the whole picture. But in this trilogy, Gandalf is running from here to there, back and forth. And I think he's he feels, the way Ian McKellen plays him, he feels just as shattered as uh, the other characters. He feels very torn apart that's that's a decent point you know gandalf is he is a badass in these movies but he's not necessarily at the top of his game and he's he's dealing he's, he's dealing with a lot more than i think that he was prepared to deal with yeah in a lot of ways yeah so i I, I could i could understand that point as well i do think the next movie does a decent job of explaining how he got depowered and why it would take 60 years before he masses again the 
biggest issue I have with him being this strong right now is that it just feels like they're trying to recreate and redo Lord of the Rings again when fundamentally The Hobbit should have been just a separate story. It's yeah. not Lord of the Rings again. It's The Hobbit. You don't have to tie everything in for Lord yeah, of the Rings. I and, I, and I think that it just tried too hard to tie everything in that didn't really need to be tied in. You know, we didn't really need a Sauron story. I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoy it more. Because they, they do that fan service to tie it in. But you're absolutely right. It could have been its own story. It did, we didn't have to have all of this going on. We could have yeah. had glimpses and it would have been fine. That's how I felt. Just little yeah. glimpses, little hints instead of, here's Sauron and he's going to be Sauron. You know, yeah. it's like <laughs> they didn't have to go as, as far with it. And I think that, I, and go, hmm. I think they just go too far with the fan service in general. Like, because yeah. it's like I was saying, it's like you want fan service. There's already built in fan service with Bilbo finding the ring with Sting. You know, like there's there's already built in fan service, even in the actual book, The Hobbit, that you don't really you don't really need to go for it as much uh let's get to the lake town sequence uh what do we think of bard the bowman this is a very minor character from the book who does a major thing so i'm glad that they did expand upon this character the main thing i'm gonna say about him is i really enjoy him but i also think it's hilarious that luke evans looks more like orlando bloom in this movie than orlando bloom looks like himself (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, yeah that's true I, I got to say, I think no one bards better than Bard. Nobody's, right. bards, nobody's <laughs> kids are better than Bard's kids. <laughs> Fucking Gaston. How many, dozens of, how many dozens of eggs does, does he eat every day? Like, <laughs> I know, I know. He, I, I do like, you know, it's almost like he looks like, he looks like Orlando Bloom, but a little bit beefier. So, he's he's know, a little right. more mask. It's like Orlando Bloom is is got kind of a femme energy, and like yeah. Luke Evans is like the mask version of Orlando yeah. Bloom. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I love me some Orlando Bloom, but Luke <laughs> Evans, I just want to bite his leg and catch Lockjaw and have him drag me drag me around. <laughs> uh, you know he's gay in real life, Luke Evans. <gasps> oh my god! He oh is. my god! Are you for real? <laughs> you have <laughs> a shot. <laughs> top hat when i meet luke evans (laughs) this was also the movie that turned me around on luke evans because i actually used to not really care for him as an actor but i I think that there were just some movies where maybe the 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 writing wasn't good or the direction wasn't good this movie i was like okay i'm starting to like him and then even though i don't really like the live action beauty and the beast like him as gaston completely made me do a 180 on he's so fucking good he's the he and josh gad are the best part of that movie the best part yes Absolutely. absolutely But yeah, no, I love him, and I agree that out of all the parts of the book that should have been expanded on instead of trying to do just a straight adaptation, even if this was one movie, I would have wanted them to do what they did here and expand on Bard, because otherwise he is just some rando who's like, huh, a dragon coming, I'm going to shoot that. <laughs> exactly. And you get no other information about him except that he might possibly be the king of dale who knows yep. but- <laughs> i don't know like it would have been like hilarious if they just kept it exactly like it was in the book just have bard show up but he's he's played by like brad pitt or somebody like oh hey what's going on bye you know just have it be just like random cameo like what who is that no, right <laughs> Or like, or, or like have it be like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he just shows up with like a with like a bazooka, and just shoots the dragon <laughs> out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just completely jumped the shark out of. <laughs> Looks like that dragon is going down in flames. <laughs> we all know he's more like uh, he's more like Jean Claude Van Damme than any of them because he takes a dragon out of the sky with a bow and arrow, and only Jean Claude Van Damme can take a helicopter out of the sky with a bow and arrow. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> Bard. How are you going to take out this dragon? I guess I'm going to wing it. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I did. I also agree that I think that expanding on Bard was absolutely the right move. And I think that they actually did a really good job of making this be a likable and interesting character. He has his own arc. I like his kids, too. Like, I like his family. Like... I don't know, he's he's actually a really fun character, and I, I, I actually do enjoy the Lake Town section of the movie quite a bit as well. Very much the same here. Bard for mayor. The only thing about the Lake Town part of the movie that I don't like is like, okay, I love Stephen Fry. The master <laughs> of Lake Town is a weird character, and I fucking hate Ulfred. Like, not even right. in, like, you're supposed, like, a love to hate. I think he's a shitty, written- I think he's a badly written character. I honestly <laughs> do. Like, the Master and Ulfred are, in my opinion, a bit mud. Like, I get what they're going for, and yeah. the general archetype works fine, but also they leaned way, way, way too far into it. God, especially for Ulfred. Like, the Master, yeah. okay, I can kind of. See, the, the Master could technically have worked. Ulfred, it's like they tried way too hard to have the unlikable weasel character. Yes. And they just, instead of picking... It's like you have a chart that says, okay, pick three traits for your unlikable weasel character, and they misread that, and they just checked the entire box. It's like, why the fuck? Good lord. Anyhow, yeah, Ulfred is he's just so far into that archetype and he lacks so much identity past that that he's just he's terrible yeah and not in the way that he's supposed to be terrible i enjoyed it i knew you would (laughs) i knew you would (laughs) i love cheese i love cheese i can't help myself and if you ask me i think his type of cheese is gouda and again i like i like the master's cheesiness like that Actually, that it kind of worked for but me. It's Stephen but. Fry. I mean, Stephen it's Fry Steve. is the motherfucking master. You know, he's fucking awesome. And and when I say he's the motherfucking master, I'm not just talking about the character. I'm saying he's a master of comedy. It's Stephen fucking Fry. I hope yeah. he introduces himself that way. Yes, I'm Stephen fucking Fry. <laughs> no, he's he's always a win. I honestly, the master even was a little bit much for me personally. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the master, but. I think that there's a version of it where they could have kept Stephen Fry, they could have kept the idea of it, but just not go quite as far with it, yeah. I think would have worked better. And then Ulfred, cut, 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 cut. <laughs> like, right. just don't even... I you can have a dick assistant, but don't, like, go full Ulfred. Never go full <laughs> Ulfred. <laughs> See, like, after these movies, I feel like we that's the thing we can say now. Just, you went full Ulfred. No, never go full Ulfred. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that fucking that fucking unibrow too, like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, we finally make our way to the lonely mountain, and uh, them getting to the actual door. All the dwarves give up way too fucking fast. That's always bothering right. me about this movie. Like, I, it, it just feels like, uh, like you've been on this, you've been on this journey for like, you know, however many months or whatever. It's like, oh, I guess it's not gonna work. Let's go home. 
It's like (laughs) (laughs) they were like knock knock knock. Um, well, damn. I guess I guess we must have missed it. So, all right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was a good try, guys. Good try. Yeah. (laughs) The tension with the door was just kind of. It was manufactured. It was very manufactured. It's just pulling it out. It's just stretching as much as possible. It's like, look, just they're already sneaking into a mountain with a dragon in it. You can just have the door go okay, but then it's like, right, and that was the easy part. Well, like, I didn't even, I actually kind of liked the thing of the ambiguity of they think it's the sunset, but it turns out to be the moonlight, but they can have a more abbreviated version of that. Be like, why isn't this working? What, what, what did we miss? Then the sun goes down, the moon goes down. It's like, oh, the door's open. That's what it was. It was the moonlight. You didn't have to have right. the whole thing if, like, the whole dwarf could be like, all right, let's back up. Let's go home. We're done here. You know, like, right. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, the, the also the manufacturer moment of tension of, like, Bilbo fumbling with the key and Thorin having to catch it. Like, oh, just that whole thing. It's like, cut yeah. it out. <laughs> I agree. I completely agree mm-hmm. with you on that. It's like, come the fuck on. Yeah, just, ah. just let's get a move on. So it's another example of if they were to do one or even just two movies, this is one of those scenes that could have been way abbreviated, I feel like. If I were Bilbo, I would have let them do their thing and walk on. I wouldn't have told them that I figured out how to unlock the door. And all of that gold would have been mine. Not just a 14th of the gold, <laughs> but all of that fucking gold would, have, gold would have been mine. So there we go. Don't even have to worry about carrying it back to the Shire. Because guess what? You can pay people for that. Because exactly. you got the gold. <laughs> it's like once, once the dragon's dead, it's like, you know what? The Shire's cool and all, but I can just live in this dwarf kingdom. I'm the lord of this dwarf kingdom now, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> it's creepy and it's in a mountain, but I got gold. This Arkansas right. makes me feel sick. Let's get rid of that. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Is it cozy like a hobbit hole? No, but you know what fixes that? Money. Renovations. <laughs> gold. I would I would die from trying to swim in the gold like Scrooge McDuck. I'd go in to do a head dive in. Crack! Yep. Well, Liz is dead. That's right. People who say money can't buy happiness don't have enough money because... <laughs> That's right. That's right. I would like to find that out for myself. what about that scene where bilbo has to sneak into the treasure chamber and uh, we meet smaug for the first time uh of course this i also remember when this came out this was at the height of the popularity of the show sherlock and getting that that reunion Mm -hmm. between martin freeman and bennett cumberbatch in a very different way was was fun you know (laughs) yeah i remember all of the memes watson sherlock no, it's it's a fun scene. Very true to the book, but also really well realized here. There's a moment, like, again, Martin Freeman is a perfect casting for Bilbo because there's this one acting choice that he makes when Smug starts to wake up and starts heading towards him. And he just kind of, like, kneels down and puts his head in his hands like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I just I just love his entire body language there. No, it's it's just a fun sequence. They really play well off each other. Smog Smaug himself looks <laughs> you know, frankly amazing for a you know, largely CGI creation. <laughs> Or, you know, entirely CJ creation. Yeah. But with mocap. Because the the behind the scenes mocap is pretty hilarious of what Benny Cumberbatch is <laughs> like why crawling around on the floor like ah <laughs> I am 
fire. I am death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he did put his whole cumber back into it. So exactly, <laughs> he did. He did. Yep. Had a whole cumber batch of gold. I mean, it's a it's it's a dragon scene. How are you going to hate on the dragon scene? A dragon sleeping in gold. I mean, mm-hmm. that's fucking awesome. It's Godzilla, but he talks. Oh my god! Look who's talking he's for. Super arrogant. Good luck. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> sure arrogant. how the talking dragon thing was going to work in these movies, but they they really made it work in a way where like it it, it felt in universe. It didn't feel cheesy. Like yes. it just is. It's a talking dragon, you know, and he's he's every bit as terrifying as as a dragon would be. I could see him being so arrogant too, because he's on the top. It's like you know. We humans say there's nothing on this earth smarter than us. Well, Smaug thought there was nothing on Middle Earth smarter than him. I actually really like how even somehow sleeping under a pile of gold for years, he more or less gets entirely the plot of Thorin down. It's like, yep, nope, I am actually surprisingly well informed for a guy who's supposedly been out of it for years. Um, Or at least smart enough to make the connections but also paranoid enough that he makes a couple of wrong connections yeah. with Lake Town. It's like, yes, it's not a conspiracy. Yes. <laughs> it's a nice parallel to how Bilbo might be eventually become with the ring, how Thorin is currently starting back with that. It's like, this is what that sort of, you know, covetousness turns you into. A yeah. Lonely, sad, hateful monster. It's the addiction. It's the addiction uh, that's been throughout the movie and how, how it can get really bad. Because the dragon is affected by the Arkenstone the same as the king. He's basically hypnotized by gold, um, especially in the action sequence when he sees the statue, which we'll get to. Well, I, that's that's what I'm actually about to move us into is that action sequence, like after yeah. the, the treasure scene, mm-hmm. where it's it's kind of the, it's a chase sequence. They're kind of running from the dragon, and then they kind of fight back. Like it's another example of something in this movie that I think is a fun sequence. I also think for myself it's a bit dragged out a bit more than it really needed to be. Like, the barrel sequence early on was already pushing believability, but the idea that their plan, while they're actively being chased by a dragon, is, guys, let's build a statue at him. Yes. Is also... Fucking genius! That not only pushes, like, physical believability, it also pushes, like... <laughs> Sanity, it's like, why is that your plan? (laughs) How did they not question him before now? (laughs) His decision making has been way off, but let's melt some gold and throw it at him. (laughs) It's like, also, he's a fire breathing dragon? Yes. Like, I'm fairly certain he's not going to burn to death. That's. (laughs) (laughs) The way the dragon just stares at the gold. You know, Smaug is just there, and he can't move. He's just pretty amazing. I don't know. You said there was there there wasn't too much dragon in Harry Potter, and I say there wasn't too much dragon in The Hobbit. <sighs> not near enough. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm not going to complain about getting more smog, but it it is still a bit of a ridiculous sequence. Yeah, <laughs> it is very ridiculous. It's like it's like another Scooby Doo sequence. Yeah, the way they're running and hiding the the scene where where the coins are dropping down from his scales as he's going over them. It's so fun, but it's so Scooby Doo. <laughs> it is very Scooby Doo. 
Also, recurring thing just throughout the Middle Earth movies in general, they really gotta start installing some goddamn handrails on, on some of these <laughs> <Right>? platforms. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like dwarfs. I get it. You guys are master craftsmen, but you are not OSHA compliant. Yeah. <laughs> it's like how many dwarves just like constantly follow their deaths in these in these kingdoms. It's like yeah, we get about we get about uh, fifteen or so that just take the plunge per day. <laughs> Anybody who complains about handrails being put up, point them towards the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> exactly. We actually had like a full squad of people uh, on standby just in case a dragon came by. Unfortunately, they all fell in the pits because again, we forgot to put them down. <laughs> Speaking of ridiculous scenes, I actually completely forgot to bring up the uh, barrel writing scene. I actually do want to actually go back to that for a second because I do actually have thoughts on this scene. I actually enjoy the hell out of this scene. And my favorite part of it, it's so fucking stupid. But my favorite part of it is the one dwarf who is like rolling in the barrel. The barrel yes. like pulls, like takes out these orcs, then it b- bounces off, takes out these orcs, and then he lands. His arms and legs come b- b- break through the barrel with with the axes, and then he starts spinning around, just going through the orcs. <laughs> it it this is what thing. Like, there's a lot of really dumb things that happen uh, that stretch weaveability in these movies. This is the one for me that just goes so far into it that it just it just goes all the way back around. It's just brilliant. I just I think it's so right. fun. It's so funny <laughs> every time I watch the movie. It's just like I, I love it. It's it's completely stupid, but I love it. Yeah, no, that's pretty pretty much my thought out as well. It's like you know what? Nothing in the sequence makes any goddamn sense, but they're not trying to. So stomping on heads, twirling around in a barrel. I could believe yep. it. I can believe it. We also have Legolas, again, doing the classic Legolas fighting style of I'm just slightly better than everyone (laughs) else. Yes, Including, like, doing his uh, skateboarding moves with a couple of orc bodies at a few times. It's like, oh, wow, okay, apparently that's just like a patented Legolas style. Exactly. Yeah, that's just just the way he rolls. Yeah, Legolas. <laughs> I love my cheese. One of, the, what can one I of say? these days, he's going to learn to put wheels on it, and then everybody watch out. <laughs> it's like how uh, it's like how uh, Bilbo's uh, uh, ancestor invented the game of golf when he chopped off that that one goblin's head. It went into the hole. It's like Legolas actually invented skateboarding uh, <laughs> in a similar fashion. The only thing I'm going to say about that barrel riding sequence is such a weirdly specific thing, but it always is weird. There's a handful of shots in this scene where it looks like they just slapped a GoPro to the side of a barrel and it has the, like this weird like first person right. shots. It's like, yeah, this like does not look like the cinematography of the rest of the movie at all. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's really, it's just a couple of weird jarring shots in the, in the scene every time I'm like, okay, the, the, this, I, I'm pretty sure it literally is a GoPro shot. Like, it looks like a straight yeah. up GoPro shot. It's just like, this does not look like the rest of the cinematography, even in the scene at all. It's like, okay, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a nitpick of nitpick. It's not even really going to take away from my score of the movie, but it always is just like, that's weird. But it's always there whenever it happens. It's like, yeah, oh. it's like. Ah, all of a sudden it's looking like uh, documentary footage of, you know, some like whitewater rafting. That's what it looks like. Yeah, it does. 
so with the this movie, of course, ends with Smaug kind of going to uh, wreak havoc on Wake Town, and with that that Bilbo line, you know, what have I done? What do we think of where they specifically chose to chop off the end of this movie? I hate it. It's yeah. so stupid. It does kind of underscore how the entire chase sequence was completely pointless. It's like, this is just an action climax sequence because for some reason we decided to make this three movies. So we need an action climax sequence and we need an ending. There was, frankly, there was not ever going to be a good place that they could cut this um, to prepare for the next movie because fundamentally this should not have been three movies that like we kept keep saying that we kind of would have preferred it was one movie, that we think it should have been one movie. Really, honestly, it does not work very well as three movies. And this ending is a big reason why there was not a good place to transition. I think that they should have gotten to the death of, of Smaug, and then they should have gotten just a little farther. Oh, shit, there's something coming. But I think that would have been a good ending. Right now, it just seems like they threw a dart at where they were going to cut them these two movies where did we let's cut it here oh okay that's an interesting choice let's do it i'm actually gonna kind of be the odd man out here because i do agree fundamentally this should not have been three movies i think there's a version of this where it could have been two movies where it would have been fine and again had they done that i would have actually had the first movie pretty much been the first movie i there, there's stuff in there in the middle that i would have cut but i would have had basically just a slightly shorter version of the first movie as is and then i would have put two and three as one movie that's how i would have done it having said that if you must split this into three movies i remember when i saw this in the theater and getting to that ending of you know that that last line of what have i done the cut to black the credits like and being like Ooh, that's an exciting cliffhanger. And I still actually maintain that. I think it's actually a really cool and really kind of chilling way to end the movie of like that cliffhanger in particular. Like I I get I totally see you guys' points, you know. If 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 they wanted a climactic scene, they could have had the death of like the death of Smaug would have made more sense on paper to have been the climax of this movie. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I it, it worked for me. It actually really did work for me. And I I remember because I remember this was a this was an ending like it did its job as a cliffhanger because this was an ending that made me want to see the next movie. And I honestly think had they they ended it with the the death of Smaug, I would have been like, all right, that was a good two movies. I feel like I'm good. You know, like, like this, this really, this kept me w- coming back for the third movie. And I have my own thoughts on the third movie, but I think as a cliffhanger, I think this did his job. Uh, I honestly do. But I, I also understand you guys' points, but I, I actually surprisingly do enjoy where they chose. If, if this must be three movies, and I still agree that this should not have been three movies, but if it must be three movies, I think this was actually a cool place to end it. That's that's my honest opinion, because I, I think it's an exciting cliffhanger to get people to come back. Yeah, pretty much. Well, let's go ahead and go into our overall thoughts and our score of one out of ten. And I'm going to let Liz start this week. Lots of fun. I got a dragon at the end of the movie. I got to see the ring and how it worked without that big, giant, scary ass eye looking at you. I don't know. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I loved what they did with uh, Radagast and uh, Gandalf's subplot with the uh, Necromancer. I think it was a lot of fun. 
Uh, I'm going to give it uh, the, the only thing, my biggest complaint about the whole movie is where they ended it. I think that they should have at least gotten to the end of uh, Smaug. Just because when you go into that the third movie, it's just like the first 10 or 15 minutes of it, and it feels rushed. It would not have felt rushed if it was in this movie. That's the only thing that I count against it. But with that said, that's a little tiny critique. It's another one of my favorites, so I give it an, uh, an 8 out of 10. One of the big criticisms of this trilogy is that, you know, it does add in a lot. For the most part, I feel that Desolation of Smaug actually just sticks for the with a book, except what it does add is actually stuff we would have wanted more of. A little more Smaug and a lot more Bard, so that we can, like, have him be an actual character. I think that, conceptually, the idea of having uh, Toriel added in as a major female character is... A good idea because, frankly, it was really needed and, again, strongly agree that several of the dwarves should probably have been reimagined as women in this version because, frankly, yeah, you have 14 major characters and they're all dudes. But it does frustrate me that the only major female character in this film is in a love plot, so. Ultimately, this is a really entertaining movie. It does have some of my favorite moments from the trilogy. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug is definitely my favorite of this particular trilogy. It is still plagued by the problems that plague the entire trilogy, which is namely, it should not have been a trilogy to begin with. There is still a fair amount of padding. The Tario character I go back and forth on, I think Evangeline Lilly saves a lot of it for me. I, I, I actually really like her performance in the role, and I think she brings a lot to it. But I do think that there were a lot of flaws with the conception and execution of the character at the same time. I think that... They went too much in with fan service for Lord of the Rings. I don't like how much and how obvious of, of a Sauron connection it had. But I do think that this movie is really fun. I think it moves at the best clip, you know, like the first one kind of drags a little bit, but this one moves at a, at a really good clip. And I, I'm never really bored while I'm watching this movie. I do think it's really entertaining. It still has some padding. It still has some filler. But I really do enjoy the expansion of the Bard character as well. I'll agree with you there, Zach. I think that's one of my favorite things about what they kind of added to this movie. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 overall. I do think it's the strongest in, in this particular trilogy. Well, having said all of that, Zach, where can the folks find you? Folks can find me on the Facebook as Zachariah Schneider. They can find me on the Twitters as Zachariah Schneider and Instagram under the same name as well. Liz, where can the folks find you? Uh, you can find me under the Liz Tory on all, all social media and uh, YouTube. I'm Sam Wilson. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SCWilson underscore actor. You can follow my band gas station boner pills at the band of boners. And you can follow NerdShit at the NerdShit Pod on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, all at the NerdShit Pod. Make sure that you're subscribed to us. We are on all platforms, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe, give us a star rating, give us a review. And we are going to go ahead and continue the Our Middle Earth uh, saga and go ahead and finish out with The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies next week. So make sure you tune in next week to hear us kind of conclude our thoughts on the overall Hobbit trilogy. And in that episode, we are going to give a score both to that movie and to the trilogy as a whole. For Zach Schneider and Liz Story, I'm Sam Wilson. Thank you for joining us for Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. 
satiators. Make shit, make shit. So strap on in, because we're talking about the 